वेलकम टू सिंटॉक The Sintalkers around the table today discuss the images, concepts, and words. We'll think about the interrelationships between images, concepts, and words, and discuss concepts from semiotics, linguistics, art, branding, advertising, philosophy, religion, and others. We will try to understand how these three. create a bet and undermine each other what is a brand for example and how does it get its meaning what are signs symbols totems icons and how are signs related to the object are all signs symbolic and how do oral cultures imagine concepts we'll also speculate about the long term future images concepts and words and wonder if the future is going to be largely visual we are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers around the table today dr kk chakravarti who works on the interface of arts and life and culture and development He works in areas such as archaeology, anthropology, biodiversity, and others, and is currently the chairman of Lalit Kala Academy. He is from New Delhi. Professor Francis Manjuli, who is interested in semiotics and linguistics, and is currently interested in post-structuralist philosophies of Derrida, Deleuze, and Foucault. He is from JNU in Delhi. And Santosh Desai, who is a columnist and an author, currently heads Future Brands in Delhi and Bombay, and was earlier with McKenna Rickson. Francis, maybe we set the ball rolling with you to understand how these three terms that we used before—images, concepts, and words—how do they feed into each other, and what exactly is the circle circular relationship between the three? Maybe we just unravel these concepts a little bit, and then we'll unpack them as we go along. yeah i can start with uh, the question of words because <laughs> words are uh, at least traditionally words are something that people have been all, all, always dealing with mm-hmm. in order to have a uh, in order to coexist uh, among indiv- individuals among people you need to speak you need to speak uh, language and language involves words uh now of course it's another thing that uh, the grammarians and linguists uh, uh, talk about words in certain ways in more technical ways uh, but uh, but the, the simple fact is that words are the words are the uh, staple of daily life but francis where do words come from do they precede meaning is it does meaning get created as a part of that articulation of words how how do words come to be now that's a very interesting question because uh, uh traditionally long ago in history perhaps people are not aware that they were speaking words 
yeah they were uh, they were speaking uh, there was language but they would not have been speaking of those things as words mm-hmm. it's only when uh, when language is systematized mm-hmm. and when you find uh, uh, p- other people have got dif- different ways of speaking their language and then you t- start comparing between uh, the elements of one language and the elements of another language then you understand that uh, there are kind of uh, languages actually divided into parts and par- and one of the kind of parts that uh, there is in speech or language can be actually called words right 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 and that's interesting so in at some level uh, it it uh, you you think it's kind of grown subconsciously without much i mean uh what what is the genesis i mean and how do how do languages and cultures come in contact with each other and how do meanings get transferred and what is the concept that i think that's the most fascinating uh term or out of the three isn't it yeah i'll first answer the first part of your question about words that little bit that we could uh, articulate on that um words um again what is it's part of the division of speech uh-huh. into parts there words come up but then words are not uh, necessarily part of any the words that exist in a given language is not necessarily part of that language uh, in interactions between different cultures different peoples words of other languages come into one's own language all the time you know right. no escape from that you know right and even the jaravas it is said in in the andamans context uh-huh. they use words uh, from 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 hindi or from english oh they do so there's no pure jarava language if you go <laughs> to look for them you know mm. Mm. and uh, so therefore mm, uh, Uh, and and then it becomes uh, far more uh, i mean technical understanding of language becomes uh, uh, sufficiently um, uh, well marked out and once that kind of technical understanding comes into being if you historically speaking then one begins to uh, look at another level of the Uh, existence or use of language and that is where actually concepts come up right and concepts are uh, the technical um, way of fixing what actually goes on in language uh, without the without any use of language is very difficult for concepts to actually come into existence and uh, and concepts are needed not for necessarily for ordinary linguistic communication but for um, more technical more uh mm, mm, deeper level understanding of our ideas our thoughts and so on you know so you need uh, concepts in order to construct domains of uh, specialized understanding like let's say like medicine uh, engineering architecture uh, language right or culture and so on there you will have concepts and concepts uh, of a given context or culture is not anything static they also are in constant evolution uh it's not that uh, there is language or there is culture and the correspondingly there would be actually a set of concepts right. but then concepts allow us to think mm, uh, in a specialized way technically but then new elements new conceptual uh, entities come into existence but do concepts have a language now I, the I, concept sure. of gravity or the concept Sorry. of huh? the concept of gravity or the concept of mm. several other concepts from sciences arts humanities yeah are they embedded in the languages they come from or you know what i mean yeah uh, or maybe we ponder on that for a second santosh maybe we go to you and you know when 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 we work in the areas of brands or you have to 
coin a term, coin a word, name something? How does that process work? And how do you think of that object word fit and image word fit as we go around either creating a logo or creating a brand or creating a name for something? Yeah, I think I think what you there what you try and do is to try and uh, infuse it. In, it's, in a sense, it's an act of of giving life and meaning to something. Uh-huh. So what what you are doing is to try and breathe into it a meaning that you believe is is appropriate and useful and valuable. Uh-huh. And 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 the process of doing that is to understand the thing by itself or the object and its attributes at one level. And then to place it in 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 the context, uh, both of its use, as well as the larger context in terms of the times that you live in, and and what you are trying, tr- ideally to do is to find something that that manages in 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 some way to, to uh, immerse itself in all of them and represent all of them and evoke them. So you would the say idea. that a sign or a symbol or a logo is not arbitrary. With the, the the choice of it and the association of of some uh, a sign and ascribing a meaning to a sign uh-huh. can be arbitrary. Right. The fact that you choose to you know in a particular logo ascribe to that uh, a certain value. Right. Uh, but over a period of time, because me, you know meaning it is not a it's not an a historical process. Correct. Over a period of time, therefore, if if for whatever reasons, for instance, big chunky type. Right. As against thin you know type come one comes to represent strength right. it's not entirely arbitrary because there are it, it corresponds to several other ideas and concepts That's very that exist in life and so you draw from and the notion therefore of structural integrity or of of the idea of form right so you're drawing and so meaning uh, you know in fact meaning very often seems to be apparently natural <laughs> and and you can sort of find it not to be the case but certainly in the way in which one is meaning is transmitted uh-huh. so there is an intention uh-huh. of the creator of the logo or of sure. and meaning is received right and it is consumed and at both ends a certain amount of pattern making uh, takes place based on what else has been happening in the world how else do you, you what how you already decode certain forms and and you know which as it turns out also change with time so right right the, you know the right. idea of very say shiny shoes uh-huh you know, uh, had a certain value spit and polish in a certain <laughs> cultural framework. Correct. And therefore, you know, a brand would would about about shiny and and you know, but as as context change, the idea of overtly shiny shoes. Right. You know, it, then you have matte. So it, it's it's a simple change right. of meaning. But right. the same idea. Uh, it, it it and the same sign. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, because as the context changes. Tends to have a different meaning, and and very often, therefore, brands and advertising are about about trying to understand uh, and align meanings. Right, 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 right. That's interesting. That's interesting. And maybe we just open another flank, and then we'll try and link them all up together. Dr. Shakravarti, I mean, you've done a lot of work in the area of rock art, for example, and you know, it's, it's kind of fascinating to think why someone would go into a cave or an area which is otherwise difficult to reach and draw something and what what is that impulse conceptually and how does rock art come to be and uh, you know th- those are some of the earliest signs of man-made symbols which have kind of survived over the years why don't we talk about that a little bit and then we see how we tie it up well when we look at uh, rock art we are basically talking about both pictographs and petroglyphs and also uh-huh. geoglyphs right. all over the world and uh, 
when you look at rock art, you also look for the cognitive beginnings of humanity. Okay. Uh, because this is before any script uh, was uh, invented and any words were uh, formed into a script. Oh, and these were even before words. Before words. Wow. Uh, so then, then uh, so most of the signs, for instance, the catenary curves or zigzags, I mean, they are part of uh, what are called bioneurological absolutes. And people look for entoptic constants and, you know, various kinds of, uh, you see, induced uh, phosphine images. Uh-huh. So these uh, images, I mean, are supposed to be the uh, initial reactions of the retina, I mean, to certain uh, natural uh, phenomenon. Uh, but uh, uh, but when one is looking at rock art, one is also looking at the context because uh, one is talking about a pre-conceptual, uh, pre-representational phase right. uh, from which uh, kind of a pre-semiotic womb from right. which uh, meaning and words emerged. Right. And the words uh, could be both uh, sensational and intentional. And therefore, uh, when uh, the rock art was being formed, I mean, all these uh, concepts were in the cauldron. And uh, really, rock art is the best uh, area uh-huh. where one can uh, look at these uh, issues uh-huh. and uh, find out I mean, what really was happening. And uh, the other uh, factor about rock art is that uh, our knowledge is uh, too late uh, to arrive on the scene of experience. And therefore, uh, those of us… What do you who, mean by that? Those of us, for instance, who are sitting in this room, uh-huh. we have not experienced the context in which rock art was made. Correct. Uh, some of that rock art was made about 100,000 years ago. Correct. And some about 175,000 years ago. And when one talks about, you know, Homo erectus or Homo sapiens sapiens, one doesn't really know when uh, really the cognitive beginnings uh, uh, were there. They have, there has been Pleistocene uh, seafaring expeditions in the uh, Southeast Asia where we have uh, found that uh, there was evidence of seafaring, uh, bead making, mining, and uh, jewelry, uh, you see, small uh, sure, jewelry sure. making, uh, even uh, uh, seven to eight million years ago. So much, much before uh, 2.5 million years ago, which is supposed to be uh, the beginning of the biological history of the human being. Right. Uh, right. So, uh, rock art also raises many other issues, but I can touch them by and by. That's very interesting. So, in a way, you think of I mean, rock art and its uh, uh, siblings, if one can call it that, as predecessors to the scripts that evolved? Is, would that well, be the you know, to? the uh, letters and uh, pictures, uh, uh-huh. they have been ex- interchangeable all through history. Right. And we have seen that there have been pictorial scripts and there are also pictographs. And uh, so, it is not as if uh, one has preceded the other. Even right. today, in uh, much of uh, many parts of the world, uh-huh. one has this uh, exchange of letters and, uh, you know, um, what shall I say, the orality, uh, the sovereignty of orality is still there in many <laughs> parts of the world. That's true. And That's uh, true. Uh, it's not as if, and, and when you talk about languages, for instance, 4% of the people uh, speak 96% of the languages of the world, and 96% of the people speak only 4%. Correct. Uh, so <laughs> that shows the uh, the on, on, ongoing, you know, march of extinction of languages, words, scripts, and meanings. But do you think we're losing concepts as a result of that? Is that a romantic notion or we are truly losing concepts because languages are I certainly feel that we are losing concepts because there was a diversity of concepts, I mean, inherent in uh, diversity of, uh, you see, uh, uh, you see, reactions to the uh, nature, culture, symbiosis. But now this is the world is getting homogenized, standardized and technified. Uh, so the concepts are also getting homogenized. Right. And so uh, the marketplace uh, is also there. 
and apart from that even the hinterland is being uh, you know uh, domesticated into the this nexus uh, between money and <laughs> other things that's very interesting how how do you think of that Franson? do you see and this is similar to the question we were trying to unravel a little while ago do you think think of concepts as being embedded in language and words and images or they're at some level divorced from that and what would your take be on this issue of what happens to concepts when languages die? Uh, is it a straightforward extinction of those concepts as well or they metamorphose into another form? One understands it's not a binary question, it probably lies somewhere in the middle. Uh, that's an interesting question. I think one should refer to one um, thing that uh, Dr. Chakravarti mentioned just now about the rock hard preceding words. Now, uh, now, it's, there's a clear understanding on this that uh, uh, the written language, uh-huh. uh, scripts right. of one form or the other, came from rock art. That's for sure. Oh. There's hardly any doubt about that. Wow. This, this is, uh, but not, not spoken words. Uh, that's a separate issue. But the written words, the written scripts language, have come from absolutely. rock art. Absolutely. Right. And that's, you can see that there's a, uh, rock art and then there's pictographic uh, signs like the hieroglyphic signs. Or and what would one do after you drew the rock art? Is there a phonation side to it as well? Were there so spoken like this. words at all? Yeah, so there's a... Uh, so in Egyptian context, you have the pictographic signs. They're like actually pictures. Right. And uh, when you come to Mesopotamian context, they are more stylized. Right. right? They become do- lines and uh, triangular kind of things, right. fire and, and all that, right. just lines. Right. So there's already a transition. Right. But right. Uh, in the Phoenician context... From uh-huh. where uh, the Greek script arose, uh-huh. there one can see that uh, from the, the in the emergence of the alphabetic writing of the Greeks, right, from the Phoenician writing, which is syllabic, uh-huh. uh, there is clearly a shift from pictures, pictographic forms, to to their reduced forms, their stylized and reduced forms in the Greek alphabetic writing. That's a kind of transition, all right. Right. So, whereas in in Chinese context, they're more ideographic, all right. So, you don't find that, I mean, it's also kind of reduction of pictures, transformation of pictures and so on. And uh, so, whereas, so there are various forms, there's a pictographic, ideographic, syllabic, right. uh, alphabetic, four right. different forms right. of writing. And, 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 and at the root of it all, the base of it all is uh, rock art. That's that's absolutely certain. This is from where if there was no rock art, there wouldn't have been writing. But people <laughs> would have been still speaking. Right. That's very interesting. And when you think of these three or four systems you spoke about, the link between the image and the object, mm. um, are, are, um, do people understand concepts differently across cultures? Yeah, the Just two, by virtue of the script and the language one comes, comes to be embedded in? Yeah, two different things there. One is, uh, of course, yeah. the question of concepts that came up. Now, concepts uh, and notions. Okay, there would be notions, uh-huh. all right, which which stand. How, how would you distinguish the two? Concepts are used uh, for technical kind of manipulation, right? Spe- specialized manipulations, right? But notions will be anyway embedded in right. the sense that one just spoke of, you know. Right. But then uh, then that brings us uh, to the question of images, uh, the most fascinating problem in today's world, no doubt. <laughs> if uh, linguistics prevailed for 200 years from 18, in modern context, from, let's say, from late 18th century to till the end of 20th century, today what uh, bothers people uh, in this kind of field is images, certainly. So if you look at Saussure's uh, idea on language, you would say that um, the sign is made up of uh, on the one hand, an acoustic image, 
Right. That's the image of sounds uh, in one's uh, mind. And on the other hand, conceptual image. So you would say tree has a acoustic part, which is like an image in one's mind. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the uh, there's a conceptual part which is the signified, the meaning part. The signifier is, and the signified. That's right. Con- that's a, that's a, that's also an image. Mm. He says he uses the word concept and conceptual image. Mm. So he draws the di- diagram. He draws a figure of a tree in order uh-huh. to speak of uh, the mean the meaning part of uh, a sign, the signified part of the sign. Now, but then image. And that's so so fascinating work on the domain of image because today the world we deal uh, we entirely live. What on is image. an image for you? Huh? What is an image? Yeah. So now uh, ancestors was obviously there like hundred years or so there's ago. Two things one can say. Yeah. One is that uh, the Persian account, uh-huh. Charles Sanders Peirce, uh, he divides uh, science into icons, indexes, and symbols. Correct. It's very useful, more than that of uh, Saussure. Right. And then he goes on to so icons have a similarity. Yeah. Indexes have a contiguity. Yeah. And symbols have neither. You know, that's arbitrary. That's <laughs> how that's how uh, Saussure uh, put it. Puts and it. would you say that words are symbolic? No. And now we'll and get now, to that. Sure. And then he divides icons into three kinds: uh-huh. images, diagrams, and metaphors. Wow. All right. So images at one end of that, in that, you know. And now image, one way to look at image is to mm, speak of it in terms of visuality. Uh-huh. Structural. That's a structural way of speaking about images. Uh-huh. So it's a way of uh, understanding images like words. What is the structure of image and, image and so on, you know. But, uh, and then the second level of the problem of image is the perceptual part. How does, how do human beings understand? really recognize so images, sense, understand yeah. images and so on. Yeah. And I think the most fascinating problem today is the historicity of images. And in what uh, Dr. Chakravarti said, that is, um, that is present, this question of the historicity. Because from rock art today, uh, rock art of the ancient times to the images on computers, images in, uh, on monitors in hospitals and so on, scanning and so on. Right. Uh, right. Humankind and then mobile phones. And X-ray like. is an image. Hmm? And X-ray is an image. X-ray. Yeah, you can say X-ray is less of an image. It's more diagrammatic. It's more diagrammatic. In, yeah. in Persian mm. sense of the term. Mm. Mm. Uh, How do you think of a logo? How do you think of one of the logos that Santosh works with on a day-to-day basis? What is, what is the Coca-Cola logo to you? Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. What would the Coca-Cola logo be to Pears? Yeah, the, the word logo, from logos, the Greek notion yeah. of logos, which can mean a word or an idea, a concept and so on. Uh-huh. And, and the word, uh, the, the kind of uh, suffix we use is logi, come uh-huh. from logos. Uh-huh. And so logos um, uh, is to do with the question of con- concept. As far as one can see it, cause it, so it's a, it's a it's a kind of sign or a symbol, but it doesn't uh, have the arbitrariness. Uh, it is more iconic, All right. right? So in that sense, it's not a uh, it's not a pure sign, not a pure symbol for that matter. It's right. iconic. All right. There's no logo which is uh, n- probably no logo which is uh, com- totally non-iconic. You cannot, uh, even if you would use a letter as a logo, it will be converted from a, an alphabet, its alphabetic kind of nature to something aesthetic, artistic, and iconic. Right. right. So it right. Is, it's that visual part, actually, which predominates in a logo. 
and uh, not so much the symbolic part, not so much the conceptual part and so on. This is what it seems to me. The visuality has to be projected and the visuality will remain far more catchy than any word can. And uh, so that's very interesting. And and and, mm-hmm. and that's also because one has to here consider the other dimensions of images uh-huh. because images come from very ancient times and it also comes from within us. This is the yeah. beauty of images, yeah. you know, because yeah. we the dream imagination is No, we dream in images. images. All right. Our unconscious is made up of images. So images thrusts forward from without and from within. Right. Does that resonate with you Santosh? I mean, do you think of brands and logos in a manner that is non-visual as well i mean when you when you talk about meaning and you know brand as being a system of meanings um and maybe one thinks of that in the context of change of a logo um yeah. while retaining the same name yeah. the logo i mean I, i certainly resonate with 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 the fact that you know it is there is you know very strong visuality uh-huh. of the logo and it it becomes um in some ways uh a way to imagine uh and 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 to represent uh, visually uh the, the 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 association with the brand but but uh but to my mind the meaning of the brand is because the logo is only a small part of the brand as a meaning system right uh, there are many uh, aspects of it which are not visual uh you know which are so there are other aspects of a brand that that go beyond uh, just visuality Uh-huh. and and you like see what? i mean in terms of sound you know, sound. or uh, you know or say there is a a tagline or there is a you know right so you'll have several and and that the brand gets associated with with a certain kind of a sound right i mean so you will have you know there are brands associated with a certain sound there are brands associated with with taglines which are not when you say sounds you mean jingles and things no, like no jingles that. or even you will yeah. even have actual sounds you will have some sounds. you know yeah. some ting 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 and it correct. goes you know and correct. that's you know mm-hmm. or whatever correct. i mean correct. you know you will correct eventually a tune uh, or a yeah, tune or a just a refrain or a or actually just a sound i mean you know you also you can have i mean for instance this is the sound that the computer brands you know mm. you will when you put mm. on a computer there is a certain sound correct mm. and and you come to associate microsoft for instance or the mm. nokia tune right you know where the on the on the mobile phone right right is, is an ownership and and a very strong association correct of of sound uh, with a brand so uh, it, that that is uh, those are are several dimensions actually that that a brand can have and you think of it in a more open kind of way or a closed kind of way i mean how how does um clearly meaning is not fixed it keeps changing over time and uh, from what you point out there's a visual side to it there's an oral side to it and there's a tactile tactile dimension to it depending on the thing one thing is a brand for that's very interesting that's very interesting and how 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 do you think of abstract concepts in the world of advertising what would what would they be if you had to just if you were to deal with luxury brands or luxury ideas um, how do you go about creating meanings of that nature through images and in in very is actually the the central pursuit of advertising is that uh-huh. uh is is to render something that is an abstract idea into and and convert that into and give value to it and 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 associate it with a certain form which is the form of the the material form of the of of the product or it could be Uh, an idea or a service and the idea that in that is resident uh, are resident sort of several layers of meaning what you are what you're in a sense contriving through the combination of sound word image 
you are creating so whether it is through a name where you take a concrete tar and you call it you know the the rolling green estates or whatever sure and you <laughs> you you uh, which is what points in real estate you find that that apparent paradox or the fact that the most hideously sort of concrete structures <laughs> have names that are uh, you know mm-hmm. evocative of an expansive yes. sort of an estate where you mm. luxuriate <laughs> but that is the is the entirely a, a fabrication of meaning in, in a certain sense Correct. and a meaning that for some reason uh, is there is a reason why it gets consumed i mean if you know and so there is a in in some ways an acceptance uh, you know whether overt or uh, tacit mm-hmm. uh, uh, which which allows for that meaning to get created so the idea of luxury is is largely in the sense what what gets value uh-huh. softness mm-hmm. uh-huh. you know texture the tactile nature of an experience right mm-hmm. sink right. into the softness of what what you are doing you are using a combination of concepts and language and and images to then create value which so are there just a stock of perceptions and images that you tap into and a new combination is a new brand or a new concept or you you think there's a process of like can you create a new concept through branding can you create a new prop do you know what i mean do you know what i mean is it just a question of putting pieces together and existing perceptions together in a manner that is somewhat unique or um well it it you know that's it's a difficult question because you could argue it and you could see it both ways for instance right. you know take the concept if you like of friday dressing yeah <laughs> right correct which is what a uh, you know a brand attempted to own now right. now mm-hmm. at one level is that a new concept i mean you can say that it is a new concept i mean right. because you know the idea there is a certain uniform yeah. there is a code of corporate you know wear which yeah. you know which you know you conform to uh, you you disrupt that code yeah. in a certain way yeah mm-hmm. but you use it using bits and pieces that exist mm-hmm. yeah. right yeah so yeah. you are using bits and pieces of attire that you would wear elsewhere or colors that you would wear elsewhere and you you reconstitute meaning in some form so is it reconstituted meaning or is it original and santosh uh, do you also think of clearly you think of uh, meaning in different ways in different medium right how is print different from television for example well in in some ways i think you'll find the the fact that by by its very nature print is it creates meaning because in print because language uh in some ways is always a product of of language is a retrospective exercise in some ways right so when we say images we clearly mean both frozen images as well as moving images don't we mm. do you, how is a picture different from an image yeah how is how is the how is making a 30 second ad film different from making a one page it's entirely different because one you know because they they every medium brings with it a, its own code and its own form of uh, communication and and the story that is implicit yeah uh, because print there is a certain sequence there is an order your you have to use a uh, 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 language uh and that becomes a central it's a combination of of word and image to create a certain effect yeah, uh, yeah. which has to be read in a certain order and for meaning to be derived from it yeah mm-hmm. uh in a moving image the the ability to create 
a storyline and the idea of emotion and and the fact that it's in real time yeah which means that it is it creates a very different kind of an effect mm. because mm. you know it mm. it it sort of washes over you i yeah. mean the reason why television news and and print news mm-hmm. gets plays out differently yeah you do yeah. not have the kind of anchors that you have on television you don't have a equivalent of that and i would argue that to a certain extent the the medium itself is responsible for what it allows and what it does not right, uh, and, right. and and television allows for for the, because it is set in real time and because it it washes over you it it creates meaning in a certain way right which you right. harness in a certain way right. whereas print allows for uh, you it necessarily has you have to process it in the mind Uh, that's very interesting uh, mm. so you mm. therefore mm. tell so persuasion for instance in advertising terms you will find mm-hmm. prints ideal is 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 the is persuasion is language is nuance television's mm-hmm. idea is storytelling it is mm-hmm. seduction it is the sweep right. of storytelling right and television is about desire right <laughs> you know right uh, it, it is a, it, there is discernment which is mm-hmm. which is print is a print quality and and desire mm. is a is a mm. is the quality of television mm. uh, consumerism in a sense needs television at a certain level because uh, <laughs> it, because for a mass culture to to and and for a, a certain a set of desire to become a, a standard television uh, by its nature is more conducive to that interesting that's interesting and dr chakravarty for example if we just go back to the concepts and ideas of rock art are they how how complex are those narratives are they uh, is there storyboarding there are the stories happening are they more static are they moving images clearly they're not moving images uh, in well, a certain um, sense but see it is it is always uh, ethnography uh, uh, to uh, try to uh, read a meaning into rock art rather than read its meaning Uh, because uh, it has happened before our time uh-huh. the context is not present before us yeah. and we might uh, uh, try to uh, you see uh, read contemporary meanings into the past That's and that has happened today because all kinds of behaviorist uh, and uh, other psychological uh, analysis have been yeah. uh, you know um, how shall i say transplanted on rock art <laughs> i mean according to you know various kinds of epistemies <laughs> Right. Uh, so those need not be the meanings. I mean, it is suggested that uh, it is to you know exercise fear or to you know mm-hmm. uh, give some benediction. What is your take on it? Well, I mean, uh, because uh, it is also associated with direct dating exercises, and in much of the this part of the world, I mean, uh-huh. uh, some of the ecologically isolated communities still pursue the same avocations and the same kind of art. I mean, in their pottery and on their walls and on the floor. as they used to do earlier so there is a lot of scope for ethno archaeological research here right. but then uh, when i come back to you know this discussion which has just preceded you know right. the discussion on rock art i should say uh, that uh, uh, we are talking about uh, uh, a society driven by a consciousness industry Mm-hmm. I mean, a society of spectacle. <laughs> society of spectacle. Society of the spectacle. Uh, guided society of spectacle, guided yeah. by consciousness industry. Mm-hmm. So there, uh, you see, the uh, there is a as a, as they say, there is a procession of simulacra in yeah. which uh, <laughs> there is a gradual uh, evisceration uh, mm-hmm. of uh, signified from signifier. So there is a niche marketing in which uh, we address a specific section and right. then manufacture the desire of the demand. Mm-hmm. And here we are talking about I mean, when you are talking about rock art, we are talking about a specific context. I mean, an ecological context yeah. in which uh, still people live. 
and as uh, it has been said about uh, such communities that here uh, uh, the uh, the artist is uh, uh, no special kind of a human being every human being is a special kind of an artist <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so when we look at the past or you know the market uh, the, the <laughs> present i mean you should uh, also understand that we may be uh, you know seeing what we look for but we also look for who you want to, what we want to see right right what is art art is you know i mean a creative expression of a, a human being uh, in um, um, all possible ways i mean whether in shaping the landscape in shaping spaces uh, in um, shaping uh, you know the wall or you know shaping industry i've been mean, uh, everything everything that there is art in every everywhere <laughs> so it could i mean we look for art life artistic and arts living but then uh, for uh, you know corbusier even uh, year was art yes. and he converted into you know architecture or an mm-hmm. organic shell correct correct so there is art everywhere and how do you think of orality dr chakravarty because that's one area you've done a lot of work in orality. oral cultures and oral traditions how i mean do you think of meaning in a different kind of way we've touched upon tv at films and well print. i think this is a new kind of orality i mean tv and you see in fact uh, even the internet you know it's a the new kind of orality that has invaded our precincts and very soon we shall have less of uh, you see uh, written uh, texts and more of uh, this kind of do you uh, take that as a given well it is a given and uh, it is uh, already there and mm. the and in fact I mean, there is a along with that there is a, a loss of memory and speech i mean mm. what is called amnesia and aphasia with which we deal all the time and uh, because you are uh, looking at the screen and you are looking at say these bits on dots so you uh, tend to forget your uh, landscape you also tend to forget your uh, speeches and so um, uh, there is this and then as uh, there is also this other bit of uh, what shall i say the kind of a, a cognitive colonial uh, thinking in which it has been always suggested that uh, Uh, the logos seed you are talking about logos i mean which is uh, barren in the native soil i mean in like you know the let us say the indian soil or the african soil or the latin american soil it is uh, fruitful only when it is transplanted to a soil which is fertilized by the judeo christian stream of thought so unless <laughs> uh, unless we we use you know cresses i mean is yes. an act of utilization yes. i mean to you know extract the you know the best out of it and leave out the gross then we do not uh, do anything so to a great extent uh, today uh, the uh, manufacturing of speech today is also doing that which is why the extinction of languages it is trying to take out i mean uh, uh, what uh, will suit uh, the marketplace and uh, leaving the rest <laughs> that's interesting that's very interesting how i mean i think france and this kind of links to another point about why and you know just for lack of a better word why do some religions religions proscribe images and some don't and why do some religions proscribe words and some don't and you know this in a way this link between paganism and judaism and things of that nature i mean why is it that some religions just don't like images what is the conceptual and philosophical reason for it if there is I think, one i think it's a question on if which there is one, one. Huh? if there is one yeah it's a question <laughs> on which one can speak for more than one hour i don't <laughs> think we have enough time to do that sure. but i think the question the uh, question that has been posed again by dr chakravarty about uh, the massification of images yeah and that's what it is yeah so certainly not spoken 
but it's still visual in character these images you know yeah uh, so you can i'm not sure whether one can call it orality uh-huh. and it's visuality in image images yeah and so what i was trying to say even a, a little a while ago is that uh, the the presence of images everywhere and the presence of stories everywhere you cannot exist without stories you know narratives for that matter and uh, they are i mean even in rock art there are uh, stories there are narratives and uh, right and this is part of the i mean it, these uh, images and narratives come from the world outside in one form and they and and somehow what comes from the world outside gets imprinted gets affected in our own mind and we become consciously or unconsciously producers of images and it's unconsciously produced in our dreams a very aristotelian kind of conception uh, not aristotle doesn't think of uh, doesn't speak of uh, dreams right. the freud who speaks right. so, so he yeah. doesn't speak of yeah. so yeah. aristotle would say these they get uh, impre- impressed as uh, images and, yeah. and so on so now then the question is that uh, the nature of these images in relation to one is the nature of these images in relation to what is outside or what's inside and the other is the historicity of these images right and uh, so they um uh, they f- they'll tell stories very often they are not just in a innocent kind of forms there yeah. any any image actually tells a story and that's the kind of point the uh, uh, dr desai was saying and uh, uh and that there the question is whether uh, what does this what, is, what do these images do images either exaggerate enhance an experience a thing outside or they reduce all right this is what images are capable of doing one way or the other it is never the exact thing all right it's impossible for uh, advertising does that it enhances always enhances it never will reduce why do you say if that it, if it reduces then nobody will buy your product it will always enhance it's uh, it's uh, its character or the thing Right. Uh, it has to be more than what is exaggerated and so on, you know, enhanced, and or it can reduce, you know. So you can you can look at a certain people. The colonialists can look at uh, a certain people and say that's worth nothing. They're, they're Why do you say that? Life. How can you reduce something through images? Hmm? Sorry. How, how can you reduce images? How can you reduce? Uh, you can uh, you can through your imagination you can say what is going on there is worthless. Yeah. And no value. It is lacking sure. in value. Whereas something else is a greater value, and that's what you're saying about advertising, and uh, and that can go on. But what an or uh, Afri- the way African Africans live, or certain Indians live, and so on, it has no value. So you can produce an image and say it has uh, it has it has it is it, less value than what. the people there actually might be but do you think images travel better in time i mean yeah. the images so second yeah. is the historicity the temporal part right and then when there are these images actually in place one way or the other mm-hmm. obviously they don't have any correspondence yeah <laughs> it's impossible to have full uh, or direct correspondence and then you um keep working on them Uh, from outside or from within uh, from inside from within or from outside and then you create alternative perspectives on these alternative imaginations images and so on and uh, so there there you have conflicts actually uh, if you want uh, semiotic conflicts this simulacra and so on uh, are kind of uh, transformed and sometimes they become pure spectacles as it was mentioned we live in the world of spectacles which is to right uh, spect- uh, the dimensional spectacle and you see and one more thing i wanted to say here which is what a lot of people are interested in more and more uh, apart from what is there in the dreams uh, there's also the spectral dimension you know people see ghosts 
All right. And that's something which appears as, as a visual ex spectral experience. It is it is a true visual experience. Oh yeah, yeah, it is people see ghosts, you know. Yes. And uh, now so so there's <laughs> continuous movement in time, historical movement and so on. And if people were seeing ghosts in more and more in traditional times, even in my childhood people used to see ghosts around our house and so on. Various kinds of <laughs> variety of ghosts all over the world, you know, all over India and so on. And now you see ghosts in television or in or in cinema you know they they actually and they make what do you mean you do you mean that in a metaphorical way clearly you mean it no everything is metaphorical to some extent <laughs> you cannot get out of these metaphor metaphors right. you know and there's certainly right. great amount of metaphor involved in this yeah and so these are uh, ghosts which are beneficial ghosts or harmful ghosts and ghosts were either beneficial or harmful uh, all the time you know oh. spectral phenomena and so there's always uh, the a way of uh, uh, kind of, since they are all around, they're all pervasive, these, we try to locate ourselves in relation to, we look, try to locate ourselves spectatorially in relation to these images. Right. And, uh, and we, we need to experience them as one way or the other, specters, all right, not just images. So you have the dreams, specters, and uh, pictures and images as such, you know, you, one has to take into account all these. So it is in that sense that, um, and, and so and another major point here is that just as words overcome words, hmm? yeah. or ideas overcome ideas, images overcome images. So today, if uh, these traditional Indian images become underplayed, uh, the American-inspired uh, comic images, our world, uh, holding, They're right? All purpose, Batman, and uh, what else? You know, so many of these uh, American comic strips and Correct. so on. Correct. These are the images that uh, these figures, you know, human figures, of course. And then you try to battle it out with your own comics and your own Hanuman and your own b b b beam and so on. You know, so there there's a conflict of there's a just as intellectual domain involves conflict at the level of language, spoken language or or, or written language. There's, there are conflicts, major conflicts at the level of images. You know, we we are, cannot under, undermine that. You know, so you want to have your own image. I mean, the way advertising does that. You know, you try to get better and better images and attract more and more people. And similarly, your one's own images, we want to give it a, an upper hand. We want that to prevail, dominate, and so on. The big battle going on. But the interesting thing is that, uh, I mean, at one level, you can say that about lang lang language and words and so on. The way you don't know finally where they come from. And similarly, you don't know where from finally where the images come from, especially if you take into account the specters. You cannot say that it came from that particular land. Right. Or in India, people used to believe these ghosts coming from trees. Right. These female ghosts would sit in the, on the trees <laughs> and try to catch all of young men and so on, you know, yakshis and so on. They are spectral, totally, you know. And uh, so they, have a, they, have a, they perform a function. Just as dreams, uh, they, we don't know where they come from. The no, it's almost, at least today, it's impossible to determine where the dreams actually come from, in spite of Freud telling right. us stories about, uh, telling us that we can interpret dreams and so on. It's, right. it's only a partial story. Right. All right. And uh, it, it comes from, and very often these come from alternative image-like spectral possibilities in moments of disturbance. Uh -huh. This is what dreams do. Right. Anyone who is having a sound sleep will not have dreams or even bad dreams. And similarly, anyone who is leading a quite harmless life will not see ghosts 
You see, Go, <laughs> ghosts come and there are moments of disturbance. So you're creating something. And so there's a creativity of that kind in images. And we don't know where the source of these images uh, is. You know? Right, 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 right. Ultimately. You know? uh, and uh, whereas concepts are technical, specialized phenomenon. We can talk about their sources. Words are a little less... Uh, difficult compared to images. What's the bad news for images? Where would images be 100 years out to 1000 years out? The battles will become bigger and bigger. In what way? In what form? Because each one uh, will try, would each culture, each context and so on would try to uh, get ahead with their own images. That's already happening as we know, you know, these, uh, I mean, they, 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 they reject uh, the mythological images, the traditional folk uh, and mythological images and so on, and they bring in new folk, folk tales, folk mythologies, and uh, most of the children are hooked onto those images now. Uh, the Batman and what are so many? Menga. Huh? Menga, Japanese Menga. Yeah, yeah, Japanese <laughs> ones, you know, and so on. They, they conquer the world. You know, it's not language that's conquering the world today, mind you. you know, it's even images that are conquering. Images are conquering the world. What do you have to say to that, Santosh? No, I, I think that's true, but I think the flaws are are interesting. In, one is, of course, the overwhelming uh, of of by because inherent in you know uh, in it is a reflection of power and power structure also. Yeah. And the idea, therefore, that for instance, I find it interesting that if you look at uh, you know advertising. Point just the the models and how in the Indian mom, models have been Caucasianized. Structurally Caucasianized. Right. You'll see jawlines. You'll see if you were to just put, you know, just a models and and look at it over time, you will find that the jawlines implicitly <laughs> there is a you know there is a shift that happens and and the standards of beauty yes. and the standards of physical perfection yes and the notion of the body yeah. also starts getting aligned to uh, a, an apparently universal uh, sort of a, uh, a homogenized standard. Yeah. So you, you are beginning to see that shift happen. But along with that, that, that you know, Dr. Chakravarti mentioned the manga and the, the fact is that there are other kind of cultural flows also happening. So, so for instance, the anime and the, uh, the idea of, of the, the grotesque of yes. some kind, yes. uh, populating uh, the notion either of the cute or the notion of, of the cool. Correct. Uh, and so you are seeing, you are seeing have the phenomenon of K-pop and, and you know, the Correct. Korean influence of a certain kind. So I think, to, yes, it is true that the, it is a battle of images and it is a battle, therefore, of visually what, what becomes the new apparent natural. You know, how you start seeing, you can see it, it's, it's not just, it's in the city line, it's in the, the it's in conception of space. And, and what space you, uh, public space, for instance, how you imagine it getting laid out. Right, uh, right. It, it, you know, there is a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's still an image that you are, and it's a visual experience that you are referencing in some form. But, uh, but I do think that the flows are interesting in that, that particularly post in the digital sort of an era, I think the, 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 the flows are not only in one direction. And the f flows are in more than one direction. And, and to me, that holds out some interesting possibilities. What, what do you mean by direction? But the, the idea that you have, it, the, in, that in India, Indian children watching television that is based on Japanese yeah. animation. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, having, uh, which, which has references and allusions and, and therefore which are, which you have to 
tune into and dubbing that into hindi in, into so. hindi and so <laughs> so you're creating you know in 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 a variety of ways what you're doing is you're overlaying uh, uh, images to create a, a a new kind of a pattern and i think uh, therefore the it isn't just about one set of images overwhelming another set of images it is also about them kind of meeting with each other furiously there are battles all <laughs> that or battles involve conflicts and cooperation there are no battle which is purely only con- conflict yeah that, that makes sense <laughs> yeah. santosh where do you see advertising 1000 years out is there going to be a new way to persuade is the i mean clearly it's at some level it's a nonsensical question yeah. but yeah well advertising in a certain sense you know i, I mean i and branding and this entire notion of a brand is not not that old isn't yeah. it it isn't it isn't because the notion of a of an organized market which yeah. is you know which works in this way which is not based in community but is based as a structure of a larger kind yeah uh, and and brands get located in that but in some ways i think you are finding a, you know if you were to look at just a few years out before talking about sure, a 1000 years out uh, but what you are seeing is is in some ways uh, the 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 production and consumption uh-huh. you know you're taking the, the consumers are producing a larger share of the meaning right uh, and and therefore right I, i find it interesting that you know the the actually the pr- producers intentions are are cast in in terms that are very narrow uh-huh and there is a, a i think a significant overflow of meaning from what is intended so you want to produce a shampoo that does or whatever but in its interaction in the fact that now there are consumers talking to you and people talking to each other right what you are actually ending up doing is produce much more meaning that meaning is crowdsourced almost it is crowdsourced and meaning <laughs> and meaning rests increasing increasingly the the creation of meaning is happening much more at the at, at the consumption and consumption and rather than the than production the so in a way there is an inversion of the notion i think of the brand if you say 1000 years out right it is actually to instead of a, a brand created by consumers right. rather than and so it's the pattern of meaning that i want as an individual so it is from the individual you know being a small part of a world of uncontrollable circumstances yeah there could be individual brands almost individuated brands you are gradually technology and the you know you are gradually changing that relationship and imagining a universe of the individual if you like yeah, visualize a hyper customized world where yeah. everyone has a brand and where everything is actually part so that is the so if you were to look at 1000 years out right i would i would imagine you know that kind of a reversal right. uh, take place i think right. he's absolutely right on this you know uh-huh. because uh, he's what he's saying not very different from what i was saying because rather than images being uh, constructed with certain intentions and purpose and so on and right. having a value of its own, of their own uh, it is at the receiving end at the at the uh, it's sensational like image uh, no because images are by definition uncontrollable absolutely incessant absolutely and uncontrollable the the customer consumers con- constantly incessantly are producing their own images yeah. of of, <laughs> of, of uh, products and and so on and that that's exactly because we because it's uncontrollably unknowably productive uh, all right it's very and, interesting uh, and uh, this is why there has been ghosts and, and yes. so on you know and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it it's is the same kind of problem yeah. there you know and uh, whereas other thing you can c- customize language you can customize 
uh, to, to a great my grammar and all that, you know. Right. But images are very difficult, you know. And the moment you have these images, they 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 unleash. Escape. Yeah, they yeah. unleash without any control, you know. And, and they metamorphose. They yeah, in, in so many ways. Words also do that, but much, much slowly. Much slowly. Yeah, because much slowly. The, at least you can somehow identify its source somewhere and so on. You, you know, think the, of uh, images in a more dynamical kind of way, Doctor Chakravarti. What's the future? Five hundred years out, thousand years out. Is art going to change? Is I mean, the image of uh, visual arts, uh, Lalit Kala Academy, visual arts, and that. Is visual arts going to be different in any substantive way? Five uh, hundred is out because of impact of some of the things we've spoken about. Impact of technology, impact of the consumer, maybe coming. Well, to the I mean, uh, in fact, I mean, this question has to be put in this perspective of the discussion. You know, when I was listening to this discussion now, you see this uh, um, uh, that medium becoming the message. I mean, yes. is uh, a Marshall McLuhan phenomenon, and uh, you see this conjunction uh, consumption. Uh, production disjunction is also an urban phenomenon in fact uh, the uh, the consumer and producer were the same in the hinterland and this <laughs> is a, this, uh, this is an point. urban phenomenon i mean in which homogenization has taken place so uh, it is also uh, you see coincident with uh, another phenomenon which is uh, uh, which is uh, which is uh, very uh, disturbing because i do not know the human being may be there even after thousand years. In thousand uh, years, because uh, <laughs> because uh, you see, because of the uh, radical uh, uh, reductionism, uh, a radical reduction of all sacred and ecological categories to economic and production categories. Right. Um, the result of which is that you do not see uh, the old organic cities. Uh, they are giving way uh, to you see uh, cities of. Uh, Uh, T squares and you know aggregation, right. hypodermian grids. Right. No longer you know the <laughs> organic uh, growths, Correct. and even the uh, you see multi-tier forestry has given way to single-tier forestry. Poly polyculture in agriculture has given way to you know monoculture. Uh, monoculture. That's right. And similarly, polyculture of the mind is giving way to monoculture of What's the mind. What's going to happen to art in this context? So, in this context, what is happening to art is exactly this. I mean, uh, uh, though uh, Picasso uh, learned from Africa. Uh, though uh, Gauga and Van Gogh learned from Polynesia, and though Henry Moore learned from Cycladic Islands, I mean, uh, in much of the world, we are just uh, uh, following, uh, you know, see New York and London and Paris. Right. Whereas, you know, uh, uh, there could be a thousand flowers blooming. Right. I mean, and uh, for instance, if one narrativeizes the landscapes, I mean, one could have, you know. They are doing it already. I mean, for uh -huh. instance, I mean in Bastar, for instance, there is Lingodev. I mean, who is born with the burst of flowers and with thunderstorm, etc. Right. And uh, there is an entire landscape which is narrativized by Lingodev. Uh -huh. The rivers, the mountains. There is a narrative person. Uh -huh. So, one if one visualizes this, uh, one has a multiple uh, multiplicity of narratives. What is go uh, happening is that there is a master narrative which is taking over uh, visual arts all over the world, right. and that is uh, taking over the you know the cultures also all over the world. That is also taking over the cities all over the world. And in right. this part of the world, in India, we, there was about let us say fifty percent forest cover at the uh, turn of let us say nineteenth century, beginning uh -huh. of twentieth century. Today there is about eighteen percent, and that is also a, in terms of Forest Conservation Act. So what I am trying to say is, you see, this uh, the current rate of extinction. Is about forty thousand times more than the background rate of extinction, and the coevolutionary interdependence of organic, inorganic communities, human, non-human communities, which gave you know substance uh, to uh, the multiple visual expressions, is dying. 
so unless I mean we do something about it, I mean the future of uh, uh, visual arts uh, uh, would be uh, you know basically visual arts being taken over by technology and by you know uh, sounds and uh, technological marvels. I mean, uh, there are all kinds of exhibitions going on in Delhi Correct. where, you know, the art is uh, not primary, but the technology is. Right. And so, um, and, uh, when I went to the Venice Biennale also, I had the same impression that, I mean, uh, uh, so the question is not what is art, what is not art? Yeah. <laughs> that could be the right question. And uh, so, uh, so, therefore, I mean, uh, a thousand years since, I mean, if there is something to do art on, I mean, in other words, if the forests are there, if the hills are there, if the, <laughs> if the lands are there, if the rivers are there, if the waters are there, yes, I mean, there, there could be something. But as far as I can see, uh, there is a lot of shrinking of the, you know, visual landscapes. So what will people uh, uh, write on? What will people uh, depict? It's very interesting. Maybe we just take the last word from uh, France and will ghosts be there a thousand years out? Yeah, I think I've had a lot of things very interesting in what Dr. Chakravarti was saying. One is the ecological issues. Yeah. Second is ethical issues. Yeah. Now, now there, there one should try and see how the, how the question of image has to um, tackle, address mm -hmm. ecological and uh, uh, ethical issues. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily by consolidating... What's the one-minute answer? Uh, not necessarily by consolidating what has already existed, mm -hmm. but how new um, engagements, both within the sections which were dominant right. and those sections which were dominated, how, right. or what alternatives can arise. I think the responsibility lies more with those who se sections, those cultural uh, domains, which have remained dominant. So that is where the ethical question comes. Hmm. From below, it is very difficult to infuse ethics. Terrific, terrific. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to all of you for making it. It was a pleasure speaking with you. We look forward to having you soon again. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Huh? Yeah, lovely.